Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens, in the history of the church, things get messy. And after the last couple of synods, nobody's going to disagree that things are really getting messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. It's also important for you to know that you are our marketing plan. We rely on you to spread the word about what we're doing at the Messy Reformation. We rely on you to share our content. We also rely on you to give us five-star reviews and provide good feedback for our podcast so that the algorithms push our content out into the world. You are our marketing plan. You can also support us financially on Patreon or Substack. All of the money raised is used to fund online hosting and build the platform of the Messy Reformation. You may even see a Messy Reformation conference coming in 2024. So keep your eyes peeled for an announcement. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part one of our conversation with Aaron Gradanis. So, Aaron, uh, why don't you just kick us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and what church you're at. Sure. I, um, I'm currently serving um, Hull First Christian Reformed Church in Hull, Iowa. Uh, I've been here about, well, I've been installed since the 1st of October. So it has only been just a couple months Um Previously, I was six years in Raymond, Minnesota, at Raymond Christian Reformed Church, and then I was seven years in uh, in a church in Zeeland, Michigan. So, um, I am happily married to my wife Michelle, uh, twenty years this year, and we have four children. Our oldest is a, a freshman at Dort. She is studying um, social work. I have a sophomore boy in um, at Western Christian in Hull, and then an eighth grader and a sixth grader, a boy and a girl at uh, at Hull Christian. So, yeah. So it's uh, it is full of activity, full of of mm-hmm. things going on, and uh, but it's good. It's good. Now you've served uh, churches kind of mainly in the Midwest. But if I remember right, that's not where you grew up, right? No, I grew up in, um, I was a farm kid from Montana. I grew up the youngest of seven kids uh, on a dairy farm. And so um, there was a, a Churchill, Montana. It's not really a town. Manhattan is the town, but uh, it's a small uh, community. That has there were two Christian Reformed churches on Churchill, and then there were uh, another couple in the valley, and and we went to Bozeman. Uh, my home church was Bozeman Christian Reformed Church. I think Reuben Cinema is yeah. uh, serving there at this time, or so. Yeah, so um, that's where I grew up. Uh, I was um, 
I always joke with people that my brother, I have a brother eight years older than me and he was the oops. Um, <laughs> so I was kind of the shock to the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then, so I grew up there. I went to uh, graduated from a Christian school. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know, get into my kind of how I got into ministry. I, mm. I, uh, I was a senior in high school. I was 17. And then um, the Lord had planned for me. And so I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. So I was 17 um, in the midst of it, just had finished football season. And, uh, and I found, you know, this strange part that wasn't, didn't seem like, it should fit there. Right. So mm-hmm. I went to the doctor. I eventually got to the doctor and yeah, they diagnosed me with testicular cancer. So two surgeries, two months of chemo. I did end up graduating. Um, but then I didn't really have any, I didn't really have any desire to either move away from Montana or go to college. So, uh, I went to a vocational school. And then moved back to, and that was in Billings, Montana, two hours east of Bozeman. Then I moved back and I worked for a agricultural equipment dealer uh, for five years. And then, um, yeah, so, and then things were happening. I was, got more involved in the church, got more involved in a small group and people started pointing out gifts. And pretty soon I was applying for and feeling the call to ministry and I was applying for college. So I went to college at uh reform Bible college a non-traditional student and then, and then on to seminary. And so, yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of my, my getting into ministry and along the way, of course, then I met my wife and we had a family and, and started a family in those years too. So. Very cool. One of the things I've been uh, realizing lately, and uh, I'm not really sure what it is, but I just keep running into uh, people as we kind of, as I, you know, have conversations with pastors on this podcast, but run into other pastors uh, through Abide or through Synod who are kind of in this Reformation fight. And I keep running into a lot of them that are from Church Hill, or at least have some connection running through Church Hill. And, uh, I mean, I'm, so I'm like one of the heathens. I grew up in Manhattan, but, uh, but I didn't go to either of the CRC churches or the Christian school. I went to a little Bible Baptist church in Manhattan. So I was, but, but I have a connection through there and I think, man, they must be, you know, they must've been doing some really faithful work there though, raising up some really solid pastors and leaders in the Christian reformed church. Yeah. I mean, at the time when I, when I uh, was going into college and seminary, I, I, I think classes Yellowstone hadn't had a seminarian for quite a few years. And uh, so I, I was blessed by that because they had this wonderful fund for students and they mm-hmm. could help me out with tuition and books and stuff. But, um, but yes, either, you know, uh, I think, uh, you know, Reverend Dave Fettis is from, from Churchill, he's a couple of years older than me, but he more went to school with my siblings, but he's from there. Yeah. And then Reuben. And so there's others. Yes. But, 
And then filtering through, right? There's there's a number of Christian Reformed churches uh, there, and so yeah, it's uh, it is it is um, you know there are there are faithful churches there, the CRC faithful churches, and yeah. So it's and then you're a black sheep too because you're part of the very small minority of dairy farmers in that area. I was too on a dairy farm area, but there's not very many of them. Not anymore. No, it's either you go big or you go home, right? So, mm-hmm. right. Um, but is your family farm yeah. still going? Uh, so we still have the property there. Um, my siblings and I, my my parents have passed on, um, but we still have the property. But uh, if my dad sold the dairy to a, a bachelor, um, probably just when I was just out of high school, and and he dairied for a long time just himself and then you know in the last two or three years he quit too so okay. yeah. yeah yeah it's getting harder. still a lot of a lot of beef cows a lot of beef cows a lot of uh, uh there are a few big dairies but yeah yeah it's, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely changing for sure well even uh um not that we would need to get into all of this on the podcast but it's even getting harder to be a you know, cattle rancher over there too, because of land prices and everything. It's uh yeah. it's a whole different world out there. Yep. So yeah. you said you went to reform Bible college. Uh, where did you end up going to seminary? I, so I graduated. Um, so I had vote- vocational school training, right? So I had two years of Votech uh, in diesel and, and, uh, hydraulics like air conditioning mobile air conditioning that stuff not a lot of that transfers to a a (laughs) four-year college so um so i kind of had to do uh i did transfer a few things that i didn't want to do like an english class or whatever but so yeah i did four years of pre-sem studies at rbc um uh, of course that came with a bible major but then a greek minor and then i took a year off so I had, I had, uh, had my CDL from Montana from the dealer. So I took a year off. I drove, I drove, uh, Corvette windshield frames from Holland, Michigan to get powder coated. And doing that then in that one year, I, um, uh, we had made the decision to attend Calvin Seminary. I had visited, uh, Westminster, California uh, in Escondido and, and I, I kind of wanted to go there, but, um, there was no, there was no housing and, and, uh, it just kind of became out of our reach. And so we trusted the Lord with, uh, with staying in Michigan and going to Calvin. And so during that year that I was driving truck, I was also doing online Hebrew, um, cause that's how Calvin seminary did Hebrew at the time was all online and you took your quizzes and uh you learned the wow you 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 attempted to learn hebrew uh <laughs> that way but uh yeah so so that's what i was doing in that year and then i went to calvin seminary and i did calvin seminary in 4 years instead of the 3 um just cuz that's how it played out and and i wanted to be a sane person yeah. um with a family so yeah so that's how it worked out. 
Well, and just to touch on that a little bit, Aaron, I'm wondering, uh, you know, how did you enjoy your time at Calvin? Did you come out of it, you know, really, you know, happy and thankful for the education you got? Or did you maybe think, you know, Westminster might have been the option or <laughs> what were you thinking? Uh, yeah, Calvin was a struggle. I, I'm not for me that, you know, because uh, what I learned quickly is you had to keep keep some of your um your in understandings about uh scripture <laughs> close to yourself right you didn't you didn't share that in the student center um you know you could talk about it with friends or you would have a good conversations with others but yeah so some of those things uh, yeah i you know growing up in a in a for lack of a better word, uh, a conservative, maybe people would name that traditional um, church and community. Um, I came to seminary really well grounded in some of the doctrines, but found myself um, being challenged by professors about, you know, creation and, and some of the things. And I just like, well, where's this coming from? Um, but yeah, so some there were some great. Uh, I enjoyed certain professors, certain topics. I enjoyed some of those things, but um, like there was an experience at the end of my seminary career. They made us all do uh, case studies where you were given a case and you had to think about it from a theological standpoint, a biblical standpoint, a historical standpoint. All the you know, and uh, and it was on creation and i i think i want went out of that experience like i like having a gut punch um but you know but the lord was faithful and uh and and i you know you some of those things you endure and i think some of those things you endure and it makes you stronger in in your convictions right so um yeah yeah I've told and, people and then yeah it makes you get into the word to to really like you know what is this you know i remember one one professor saying about creation he says um well god wouldn't fool us by making things old and that not really being that way and i said well well god really wouldn't fool us by saying in the scriptures he created this way and then it not really being that way. Right. So, so your argument can go both ways. Right. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I've told people, you know, my, cause my undergraduate was in a, <clears throat> I, it's a pretty quick label, but a fundamentalist Baptist uh, dispensationalist college with a lot of Arminian professors. Right. So like I was the, the token reformed guy where they would be like, well, the reformed people, and they'd always point at me, believe this or whatever. And, uh, but I came out of there, not, um, actually questioning my beliefs. Um, I came out of there more convinced, more foundational in my beliefs. Cause I had to continually engage with scripture in all of these things. And so I try to tell people that too, it's, you know, there's benefits in both. And then on the flip side, I intentionally didn't go to a Baptist dispensationalist college be, or seminary because I wanted to, at, for seminary, I wanted to dive deeper in my own traditioning and my own understanding. So there's benefits to both of those things. But 
but being pushed on things and and having to hear counter arguments does help kind of ground you and drive you deeper as long as you're coming back to God's word over and over right. again, making sure we're saying, hey, what does God's word have to say about this? Yeah, and I remember sitting down with a pastor um, who was at uh, in Bozeman at the time, and and um, he had come out of a different seminary, and I sat down with him and really struggling about where to go, and he said, "Look, if you if you want to have influence, um, kind of in the CRC circles, he said you you have to go. His advice was to go to the to the seminary that it's known for he says I, I you know i don't i'm not you know i'm i'm pretty sure you're grounded it's solidly grounded in in he says i'm not worried about that but you have to so that so that you can you know now some would say well that's kind of like the uh good old boys club or you know getting in the club but i think i think some of it's true where you you kind of have to start at that entry level. Now, are there others who are went to other seminaries who have good influence? Yes, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that was his advice for me. And so, you know, as I contemplated, another big thing was um, my wife's parents lived in Michigan, so we would be close to family. They're more close to family for my kids to have um, grandparents. You know, my dad had passed on by then and I had never knew my grandpas. And so it was kind of, that was kind of important for, um, for our family too. So there are other factors in that. But, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious to, to know, you know, being someone who's kind of grown up in the Christian Reformed Church and served in the Christian Reformed Church, what have been, uh, some of the, the real strengths you've seen? I think um I think the 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 major strength is um there's a big emphasis uh, for me anyway there was a big emphasis on God's word right so uh first of all and foremost but then you know the education piece about getting you know educated in the creeds and the confessions and and I was I think those are some of the main things, um, and the in the covenant theology, right? The the theology that it's not, you know, you don't. It's not we do these things and we hope that God responds. It's um, God does these things and we trust in this covenant promises, and so I think that's a huge piece of of uh, the CRC. And, and now granted, I, I, I was, I was a teenager. I, I really didn't like getting, you know, being educated in the confessions and these having to memorize some of those things and, and scripture and stuff like that. So I had attitude too, but, um, I think they just get deeper and deeper, right? They, they grow and they become these, you know, treasures, um, and now after at one point I did a series on preaching series on the Belgian confession and man, it is so rich uh, and so applicable today. Um, even though it has some of those things that talk about the, 
different, uh, um, different faiths or different traditions of the time, but it's so rich for us today. Um, so yeah, so those are the things. And I, and I think, um, you know, having that, having family, you know, oftentimes the CRC has lots of connections and family intertwines. And I think those are good, but those can also be hindrances that we get comfortable in those things. And we are not, um, we're not so welcoming to people coming in. And uh, so going to grandma's house for coffee after church, um, that's great, but, but bring a family that doesn't have that along. And uh, so, yeah, there's some, there's some of those ties too, but yeah, I think those are the main pieces that I view that are, are valuable treasures in the, in the, um, in the CRC. Well, and having been a part of the CRC for a while now, um, you know, you, you've been a pastor for quite some time. I'm wondering about kind of some of your involvement in the CRC. Um, you, you've served local churches, you've been in multiple classes now, I'm wondering how you've actually been involved on the classical level, even on, de- on the denominational level. I think you you served at Synod this year, correct? Correct. Yeah. So um, I I kind of like I so I I'm a, I'm a relational guy. I like to you know to do that. Um, it, when I served in Classis Zealand, um, I got onto uh, the the fellowship committee so it was this this committee was we called it the koinonia until nobody knew what koinonia was um <laughs> which is fellowship right we always got questioned what is this and they can never pronounce it either but um so what is this koinonia team and so it was really about gathering the the pastors together and sometimes and spouses sometimes families doing keeping that connection we also did a retreat but being um eventually being the team leader for that put me on the classes interim team or CIT or CIC however classes interim um and so being involved in the leadership in classes and seeing how all that goes and and uh and and then sharing classes, even though you know there was a rotation, so you didn't get to uh, you didn't get to say you got to say no once, but uh, you know you chair because that's you know that's what you do. And then um, from classes Zealand to classes Lake Superior, I uh, I um, was on the classes in room committee there too, and and uh, seeking to be you know to lead in that way and. Um, but yes, this past year I was, um, a delegate from classes Lake Superior to Synod, um, which actually was my first time. I was, uh, alternate, uh, off more often, but, um, yeah, this was my first time being a delegate, which I, which was, uh, it was a great experience. I, I appreciated it. Yeah. What, uh. Uh, I, I asked a few people on my advisory committee at Synod this year, like, what in the what in the world made you want to put your name forward for this Synod? Well, I don't know. Well, I think it was, you know, just continuing on, you know, the continue on um, to uh, to hold to, I think, that confessional 
piece. That was kind of part of it. And I, I knew the, I knew the delegates that had gone last year. Right. And, and they were, you know, they were, um, had been, you know, they were tired from, from what they had gone through. And so this year I, you know, was just, I felt it was, it was kind of like, you know, the, the, uh, tag team, you know, putting myself forward to, uh, to be a part of that. So, um, yeah. And it just, it just worked out that way. Um, so, so I, I don't know if I really, I don't know if I really expected, but it was, yeah, I could do that. I could serve in that way. So. And what, uh, what advisory committee were you on? I was on, I think it was committee three, the candidacy and, uh, education. education. Yeah. 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 So. That's always a pretty good one. That was my first yeah. one. Yeah. I really appreciated meeting with, uh, it was really nice, especially since my daughter had committed to going to Dort. Um, uh, President Hoekstra came and he was there and presented with Dort. And um, and so it was great to get to hear, you know, the things what Scott is doing there. And even at Calvin uh, with uh, uh, we uh, uh, coming in and and so we were and so we we did that. Um uh, so that was a part of it. And then the candidacy, which is always kind of a joyous time. There was a, you know, there was kind of an appeal that happened in our committee. So that was, that became more of a, that became more work and more of a struggle. So, which ended up, you know, the Lord and the Holy Spirit worked in that too. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that became a, a large Thing, yeah. So. yeah, I'd be curious. And it's been a little bit since we've talked a lot about Synod on the podcast, or sometimes it feels like we're beating a dead horse talking about it. But but uh, it's been a little bit, and I'd be curious to kind of uh, rehash just a little bit about kind of what your experience was, how what were your thoughts on kind of how Synod went, and I'd, I'd also love to hear your thoughts on how Synod ended. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, so it was a good experience for me. I, um, I had done all, uh, you know, the reading for my committee, but I also did a lot of reading on the overtures that were coming. I mean, there were so many overtures and, um, and communications. And so I, I appreciated, you know, you know, having, and so in classes like Spirit, there were a few times where we got some of the local pastors where I was together and just had conversations about the different things and uh, hearing from other pastors. And um, so, so that was kind of in prep. But, you know, being there and um, I also volunteered for the choir. So being in worship, that was a good piece that I enjoyed. I did think that... Um, I, I think the worship was good. Um, but I think, you know, I, yeah, I'm on the, probably the time management bandwagon that time wasn't managed well. And there were lots of, uh, 
lots of presentations maybe that went over and some presentations could have been different done differently and so but you know i don't want to be a, too much of a uh, a terrible critic um but i thought that could have gone better yeah and then some of the discussions uh i think um yeah some of the discussions on the floor uh Someone said to me one time well, after I got back, they said, well, you never stood up and said anything. And I says, well, I didn't need to. Um, like, I didn't want to just hear myself talk and fill time, right? So if there was something that the spirit, there were a few times where I was ready to to get in the speaker queue. But if I if I didn't need to, I, I wasn't going to do that to, to spend, uh, to to take up time. Um, so, and, and at that point, then you know, the Holy Spirit was working the same in my heart as in someone else's heart. And so, and they got up and said something that I didn't need to say. And so, but yeah, I think, I think time management and that's what got us to, I think, got us to the end where, um, we were, there was still work to be done. And, um, I think some people saw the kind of the the trajectory of where Synod was going. And um, I, I think um, maybe this is my opinion, but there was um, kind of a, well, let's, let's do a protest or whatever, because, um, because this is the trajectory. And so I think I, it was really hard. I think the hardest thing for me at the end of Synod was to hear a delegate say, to the body. And I think it was mentioned, then it was mentioned to us personally too, that the Holy spirit is not working here. Yeah. And I was like, who are you yeah. to, 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 uh, to interpret the Holy spirit's working. Um, and so I, that really was, I think that was the hardest thing for me was like, I don't, I don't understand, but yeah. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was a really significant accusation um, that was yeah. laid um, against the body, and uh, you know sometimes we say things, and I don't I don't know if that has been uh, taken back or repented of, or maybe maybe that person has doubled down on it. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, but it's a pretty it's a pretty significant accusation to bring against a body of believers that uh, we were devoid of the spirit almost in that moment or at least yeah. at least in rebellion against the spirit in that moment and uh yeah that was that was not a, a yeah and i and i don't i don't remember who specifically said it but i don't have any ill will but that was hard right yeah. that was a hard to hear that yeah like you said we're devoid of the spirit and not seeking the best for christ church and the best for, you know, for, for, um, following the, the God's word. Um, yeah. so. I, I think it's really telling, you know, just how much we are going in different directions when it takes a delegate to stand up and say, I've lost, you know, confidence in this body to seek the will of the Holy spirit. Uh, that, that tells you right there how, you know, ununified or how not together we actually are on these issues. 
Um, and then when this delegate and several others removed themselves, I thought to myself, what's happening right now at Synod is essentially a microcosm of what's actually happening in the denomination. Yeah. I don't know. Can you, can you guys speak to that uh, or, or, or am I off base? Well, one of the things that has been really um, <clears throat> standing out to me is um, on the one hand, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that we're not unified in some ways, but in, in reality, we are pretty stinking unified <laughs> mm-hmm. as a denomination, right? That's part of what that moment was, was um, even, uh, I can say her name because she said it publicly, it's on the live stream, but Kara Dehan mentioned that in the middle of all of that, she said, you know, I'm increasingly realizing I'm a minority in my own denomination, mm-hmm. right? And so she's recognizing that the majority of the denomination is unified in, in a direction. And people were recognizing that we're actually unified in our understanding of uh, gravamen and, and those kind of things. And, and to be completely honest, right, this was the committee I was chairing. And so, you know, maybe you would think I'm biased about the recommendations. And I've said to people, I, I'm just the chair. I didn't write them. Um, and some of them I maybe would have written differently or whatever, but in all of the conversations I've been having coming out of Synod about the recommendations, the majority report recommendations that came out of my committee, um, there's still a lot of unity around those. Even as people go, maybe we could tweak this, maybe we could tweak that for the majority of the denomination, they're reading those and saying, yeah, that's what we think. That's where kind of how we want to move forward. And there's a smaller group. So I want to make sure we recognize there's a division in the CRC, but it's not, I think when people hear division, they think 50-50 split, Um, and we're not even close to that. We have a lot of unity, actually, and then there's a group that are kind of slowly separating themselves from the denomination. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... I don't know. I think, you know, it's a, yeah, I don't, there's, there's definitely a power struggle. Um, And yeah, you know, when the denomination is in this whole um, abuse of power and uh, things are going on and you just feel like, um, you know, you, you feel like you're sometimes that's, you know, told to you over and over again. And, and, and then to see something like that happened at Synod, I was, you know, that was to me, I was like, you know, that, you know, when people walked off the floor and said, I'm, you know, I can't, I can't be here because of that. Then I was, that was almost like a, an abuse of power, but I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's how I kind of, that's how I kind of saw that whole um, thing take place was that was kind of an abuse of power. They had the voice and, and then they, they could put it on the live stream. And, and, and so I don't know, that's kind of what I saw in, in witness there. And I don't think it was appropriate. That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is sign up for our newsletter through Substack. 
That way, you'll get episodes and summaries sent directly to your email inbox. It will also give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head over to The Messy Reformation on Substack and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for part two of our conversation with Aaron Gradanis. But until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So, keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.